RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Pal on the drums and Beans. So, the title of today's show is "What Is Sissa Really Doing?" What do oh, you th- boy. What do you think they're really doing, Frank? I don't. I don't know what anybody's doing, <clears throat> especially when it comes to government agencies. They all have their. This is what you need to do. They have, all have their charters, and they have their their. Uh, I don't know their criteria for for existing, and then they just go with whatever they want. So, <laughs> so we, we, the the overwhelming theme I think is that now things are becoming it's becoming very clear that the government is circumventing constitutional regulations and requirements by working directly with corporations in what can only be called corporate fascism, because. We just got information. There are about 20 states who are f- doing this now, too, that they're using UPS and FedEx now to track your gun purchases and put you you know, on some kind of a list using the private shipping car- carriers. It's getting ridiculous. And the Missouri versus Biden case we constantly are talking about is, a, is, is probably one of the, the most absurd examples or has some of the most absurd examples of this and there's been more filed yesterday so it's the gift that keeps on giving frank honestly so jen saki got her butt smacked down basically by the judge in did, did they, did, oh wow yeah yeah this, oh, wait, wait, but, but that's in the in the the pdf that you had provided on monday yeah but no the judge ruled on all that stuff like the judge came back and said no jen saki your motion to dismiss is again denied Sit down, peppermint commie. <laughs> That's it. So you better get your ginger ass in here. Yeah, pretty much. Like, there's more to it than that. But yesterday, Missouri was was Missouri and Louisiana had to file saying, "Here's why we who here's who we proffer up in in stead of." Vivek Murthy, Jen Easterly, and whatever, Michael Easterly, or whatever his name is, um, at the White House Advisory Media Digital Strategy Advisory Board. They had to give alternatives to those three people because of that mandamus thing that happened. So their, their alternatives are okay alternatives, but they also outline the reasons why they really need the people they originally asked for. And they bolster that and also their alternatives with information from discovery so we got to see a whole bunch of things that they received in discovery that we typically probably wouldn't have been able to see until later so what's included in there is a lot about CISA and CISA is the probably the worst offender on censorship that there is they're working with private companies and NGOs, they're working with social media companies, they're working with non-governmental organizations to censor people. They have a ticket system. It's all set up. They, they put in tickets. The social media companies act on those tickets. This one here I have up on the screen right now says um, it's a Twitter ticket from CISA. Um, EIP, Election Integrity Project, that's what they call themselves, Frank, the Election Integrity Project. Thank God for people like them. 
They say, we notice a post by a user that alleged, and they name him, that alleged ballots are being sent to New York City, New York residents that are pre-filled out to favor Biden and Harris. The user alleges that voters are also instructed to turn in the pre-filled ballots as is. Now, first of all, that happened in 2022 with Hochul also. Remember? You live there. Yeah, absolutely. They sent out pre-filled out ballots from this Democrat group and said, here's your here's your ballot, you know, whatever. So they they link to the guy's tweets. They link to his tweets. And then they say moments ago, he also went live via Periscope embedded on Twitter and doubled down on the narrative he asserted in the original text and photo post. He claimed mail-in voting is insecure, conspiracy theories about election fraud are hard to discount, and that he received information about the pre-filled ballots from an unidentified and unidentifiable friend. He also promised to go live again tomorrow with more information. We recommend Twitter remove this post immediately as it contains a message that intends to mislead and potentially cast doubt on the legitimacy of mail-in voting in a critical pre-election period. We also recommend that Jake NY whatever is monitored through the end of 1030 in the event that he again attempts to post on this topic in a manner that casts doubt on the legitimacy of the election itself or related election mechanisms. Additionally, Jake, uh, Jake, it says Jake, Jake NY is is tagging major conservative uh, pundits, e.g. users with broad reach, uh, change claims news outlets affiliation in his bio and the post itself is spilling over into Facebook. These facts further support swift removal of both posts and a continued monitoring of the user's account. Okay, so a pretty wide net has been cast on this one. This is like communism. Like Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. I'm blown away by this. Like, this is not just, oh, guys, look, find, find these keywords and censor them. This is this user needs to be watched. Are you serious? I know. And they can do it now because they they have automated the, this kind of surveillance technology. You can't put a an FBI agent or somebody on each individual person who commits an act of wrong think on the Internet. But you, you can assign their IP address and everything else to God knows how many web types of web crawlers so that it's always it's so you have these these systems that are just automated to compile information on any one person in their own digital file. And then you've got th- these this team that's dedicated through CISA to literally just do this. Like what in and, the And it wouldn't be possible without your Patriot Act. Wouldn't be possible with all the patriotic things we needed to do to protect the homeland after 9-11, because now this is this is domestic 9-11 that they want us to know, to be able to 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 question the legitimacy of elections after you see things that obviously don't jive. This is the new 9-11. And we gave all of this predicate for something that we thought was worth it 20 some odd years ago. Here we are. I've got two more that I pulled out because there were like almost a thousand pages dropped last night and I, I read a good bunch of it, but not all of it. This one says, um, hey, this is from Brian Scully, who they are they are saying should be a replacement for, I believe, Easterly, who was the head of CISA. 
Hope you all survived the hearing today. I have to look up and see what hearing this was. This was October 28th, 2020. So here's the deal. EIP, Election Integrity Project, will only report something to Twitter if they have additional context to provide based on their research. For example, if they do analysis of the tweet and find info that they think would help you all make a decision, they will send that analysis your way. They will not send Twitter reporting unless it's that additional context. They will also let CISA know when they are reporting something to you so I can give you a heads up. Um, they'll continue to use the CIS case management number in the email to facilitate identifying duplicative reports. I know that's not a great solution, but hopefully is helpful. And this is, again, Frank, why the disinformation governance board was, was supposed to be a thing to streamline this process so there weren't duplicative tickets everywhere and it was all in one location. That is the sole purpose for foreign agent Nina Jankowitz or whatever her name is to be on the disinformation governance board. This one, oops, this one is even worse. Hello, I wanted to, this is coming from the Secretary of State's office in, in Washington. So the Secretary of State in Washington who is an executive, this woman, or an executive receptionist for the Washington office of the Secretary of State, is sending an email into CISA that says the following. I wanted to flag this tweet alleging voter fraud in Washington state. I've attached a screenshot of the post itself, and it can be found here with a link to it. The reason I'm flagging this as potential misinformation is because the user is not posting his ballot, but rather a general page on our votewashington.gov site that lists current elected officials. My name is blank, and I'm an executive receptionist for the Washington office of the Secretary of State. I can be reached via this email or the number in my signature block. My cell phone is monitored after hours if I need to be reached urgently. I'm also copying Washington State Elections Director, whoever, Office of the Secretary of State Communications Director and Web and Social Media Coordinator. And if you look at this actual, the actual tweet, was somebody saying that the machine switched their votes on them with a link to report it if it happened to someone else? It was not misinformation. Like, how can you... So they, uh, so actually, actually taking advantage of inlaid, um, what's it called, ways to report weird things. If you actually reported things. Somebody tweeted that their ballots were changed from right. one person to another. And then said, if this happens to you or if you want more information, go here. And I guess that the Secretary of State is saying you linked to the wrong, the person linked to the wrong page. And we can't substantiate what they're saying, so take it down. Oh. This is crazy. I'm yeah, sorry. The, the micro the micromanagement is insane. It's insane, and it, it, it is, uh, and it's the only reason why, the only reason why Twitter could have had an excess staff of 7,500 people. That's it. When people say, "Oh wow," he, uh, uh, I mean, I know that this is bigger than just Twitter. It's social media at large. But to think about Twitter in particular and how important it was to these people and to this kind of an operation for God knows how many years. Um, to think about that, when when we heard that Elon Musk had axed over 7,000 people over the course of a week or so, 
Everybody's like, how is Twitter even going to be able to stay up with a skeleton crew? It only needed a skeleton crew. They needed 7,500 extra people to be able to make this kind of micromanagement possible. You know, the worst thing about what you're saying is in the complaint that they, in the motion, I'm sorry, that they filed with all this documentation attached to it is a, um, like a detailing of, of it all and, and in emails. And in these emails, like Facebook has an entire department, US government policy. They have an entire depar- department for that. And I want everybody to um, be, uh, I don't know, why is that happening? I want everybody to be happy because they um, are including as attachments here things that you wouldn't think that they would know about, i.e. The, the AG of Missouri is so well read in on all of this at this point that they're including manuals and documents and things that were publicly available information, but that you didn't think anyone was paying attention to. It felt like it was only us. They're attaching those things in their file, like the whole, um, I forget the name of it. I'm going to find it in a second. Hold on. I don't want this to open in the main window, but it's going to. There we go. Okay. They call it. I had to download it from. Uh, hold on. Did uh, Here it is. The EIP handbook. I have it here. It's this big report that they did called the Long Fuse. And I think Wendy covered this in a, in a piece for Uncover DC. It's 292 pages long and it goes over everything that they did af- leading up to 2020 and after. And who, who are the EIP? They work with, CISA funds the EIP. I'm sorry, they do. They fund the EIP. It says, um, U.S. elections are decentralized. Almost 10,000 state and local election offices are primarily responsible for the, our, their operation. Dozens of federal agencies support this effort, including CISA within the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the Department of Defense. However, none of these federal agencies has a focus on or authority regarding election misinformation originating, originating from domestic sources. This limited federal role relieves... Re- reveals a critical gap for non-governmental entities to fill, except they're funded by the government. So they have 292 pages about all of the misinformation they found and the groups they targeted and the things they did. And that's in the lawsuit. This lawsuit, I'm telling you, Frank, this lawsuit, it's, it's going places. It's going places. I, personally, I, I mean, I haven't been keeping my eyes open for anyone else covering it, but I, I, I've only had conversations or heard information about this through you. Um, well, I, take I a look. Um, the AG of Missouri has been all over Fox the past couple of days talking about Fauci's deposition because he was deposed. Um, actually, yesterday he said this is the most important free speech speech case in American history because it is. It is. Yeah. Nobody and, and else me, wants and to meanwhile, see. Meanwhile, you got reporters at the White House like begging that uh, that clown, that that uh, psychotic stewardess, Corinne Jean Pierre, who doesn't even know what the Nobel Prize is, obviously, asking asking her, to, you know, what does the White House intend to do about Twitter. the about Twitter and and that the fact that free speech has kind of presented itself in one website that we no longer have absolute control over at the moment. 
Like this is a you this is a a real boiling point for people. This is the world that they were creating. This whole thing that you're describing right now. Uh, this was a cultural shift. Actually, this is the only way that you create a cultural shift against people's will. You destroy their ability to 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 point fingers to anything that seems out of place. And just wow, I mean, these are the most insane people. It's insane. It's insane. Is right. Um, by the way, it is Wednesday, eleven thirty, and I am still permanently suspended on Twitter. Just saying. Well, I read that there's over 62,000 accounts that are about to be reinstated. Yeah, that I fit in that category. Yeah, I, I have to imagine, but I, I don't think that it's happened yet. No. But because it seems like a pretty gargantuan task. So it's probably going to be, you know. Well, I guess. Um, oh, I hope. Whatever. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, the Board of Supervisors delay in certification and Pennsylvania and Arizona, even though um, Maricopa County went ahead and just did whatever, certified. What did they, they do? Maricopa County certified the election after listening to people for hours in their two minutes of comment that they had. I mean, we can listen to some of the folks and what they said, if you'd like, um, because there were a lot of really passionate people out there that were beside themselves about this. Uh, but there were a couple of other counties in Arizona that didn't want to certify the election, but basically were forced to under duress and did so under duress. Like they said, we are certifying this election under duress, which is not the way you want a free country to be functioning at all. Right. You know, you don't want people doing things under duress, under threat of arrest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like rape. <laughs> I mean, come on. So the Mojave, uh, Wendy wrote a great column. Um, a lot of people are throwing ire at Mojave and um, Cochise County or Cochise. I don't know how you say it, if it's Cochise or Cochise. But the, the problem is, is that those two counties, those poor people sitting up there were so earnest and honest about how they felt about everything. But basically, at the end of the day, they said, what we're being told is that we have to vote yes to certify this and we really don't have a choice, that it's administrative in nature. Then why ask us to do it at all? Why Why ask us to certify something if we don't have the choice of not certifying it? Like, why would they ask you, you know, here, Frank, here's a contract. Um, you have to vote yes or no on it, but you must vote yes. Here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> or wink. You give them a wink. You can put a gun to their head. It all works. I, I mean... So she goes over this. I'm going to put it in the show notes. And there were some people that that, that delayed it a little bit. Um, he says that this one um, supervisor in Mojave named Angius reluctantly agreed to certify after saying it's purely administrative function. We've talked about this many times about other issues that if I can't vote no, why is this in front of me? And if it's purely administrative, then there should be another avenue for it. But that's what we have in front of us. Delaying this vote again will only prolong the agony without actually changing anything. And then says, this process has been so eye-opening and not in a good way. I suggest that in the coming months and years, we work with our state legislature to make the changes we need for both our county and our state to make our voices heard. 
Arizona, and that is Maricopa County, is the laughingstock of the country and the world, and they don't even seem to care, which is even more frightening. I'll vote to certify this canvas under duress for the chaos Maricopa County has forced into our election process, and I'll bring a resolution to our next regular meeting to address the concerns we have about Maricopa County. This instead... This should have been done in tandem. These law changes should have been done in tandem with everything else going on in Arizona. Like if this law is what's stopping everything from having any, any you know, fallback or people can not sort of, like they, they should have been working on changing that legislation since 2020. I don't, I don't know why nobody realized it. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, I know. Well, and the other thing that too, I, I think is interesting that's coming out because as we say, when, whenever we're talking about these election irregularities and, and things that may need to be cleaned up if we're ever going to trust, no matter who you are, no matter what the, uh, no matter what, what side of the many aisles that are out there politically, if you're ever going to trust what you're getting, I don't if you get as close to trust as you can again, then you have to con consider there's so many other layers to what's happening right now. Um, little t layers that are that are far beyond the pale of a, a gigantic ballot stuffing operation. There's all the little tiny things that add up too. For example, did you see that one guy? Um, a ten I think he was a Tennessee resident that he put on. He published the the phone call that he got, or maybe he's a Georgian who got a who got a phone call from like Tennessee campaign people. Anyway, it was an intrastate operation to make sure that someone who's not supposed to be voting for this uh, in this Warnock and Herschel Walker, uh, which we call race in Runoff. Georgia. Yeah, I think it was a Tennessee man being invited to come and vote in Georgia. In Georgia? in georgia mm. which i now and, and he put he put the whole damn conversation on on twitter and you know without having to go dig into how much of that was real i don't see why people would lie especially since i had similar things happen to me and lauren i got text messages i have a new york number lauren has a connecticut number still after all these years uh we both got we're getting text messages from people from uh from i don't even know where the numbers were from i think i checked out the inst the the uh the area code and it was from somewhere in new england but we were getting messages from people in the lead up to the 2020 election to encourage us to help out with the democrat the democrat wins that were about to be delivered in pennsylvania they are trying to get us to to vote and and to help out with Pennsylvania elections, though none of us have any affiliation, any a history of being Pennsylvania residents or anything like that. They want to, you know, so it's there's so much going on here. There's so many levels of things uh, going back to uh, we you said it earlier on with the the delivery of so many pre-marked ballots. Mm -hmm. uh, we know about ballots being trucked across in a, in a across state lines from in the the new york new england area yep so th there's so many things going on and no frank they're all just just conspiracy theories i mean i, I know well I, I mean and to think that the bigger 
the biggest operation is the one that stops us from talking about the the uh, the conspiracy theories, how intricate that operation is, as you are as you're documenting with the, the Missouri case. It's it's really it's really head spinning. So uh, there are five or six election related lawsuits going on in Arizona. I did a fundraising push yesterday because the court system in Arizona charges $10 a document, which is, it's not, thank goodness, a page, but it's going to cost a few thousand dollars to track all those lawsuits properly. We raised the money, thank goodness, and so we're doing it. Um, Hamade's lawsuit was dismissed yesterday because it wasn't, quote, ripe when he filed it, even though the the hearings that were had were really generally in his favor. Um, it wasn't dismissed on the merits at all. He's refiling it probably in a day or so, and then it'll just start over. Um, and that's, that's, again, one of the reasons why we always complain, because you can't file it too early. You can't file it too late. You can't file it if you're wearing a purple hat. You can't file it if you're wearing a blue hat. If you, you know, live three centimeters outside of this jurisdiction, you're not a, you know, you're not, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, we got a little super, we got a little uh, rumble rant from Adam Carter. Isn't permanently suspended an oxymoron? Absolutely. Actually, yes, it is. <laughs> permanently suspended. Well, no. Oh, well, yeah, yes. Right? Wait, wait, wait. Suspended means to stop for a certain amount of time, doesn't it? And then... I think... To suspend something. Uh, wait, is it is it only temporary to suspend something? I don't know. We're going to find out right now because I can't go on another moment until I know. Suspend definition. To bar for a period, uh, a, a period from a go. privilege, office, or position, usually as punishment, to cause, to stop for a period, to interrupt, to hold. Yeah, okay. So it's all I see here is for a period. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I guess terminate is. You've been terminated is better. I have that yes. um, clip of John Pill reading from a script about Twitter because they're in the middle of a lawsuit. Do you want to hear it? Sure. I have a little time for extra crazy today. <laughs> this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I oh, help me. Frank, I'm about to mock her incessantly. Please stop me. We have to make sure. I'm sorry, that I'm, di I'm dying. Twitter. I can't stop you. Can't stop you. I'm dying. Doesn't become a vector for misinformation. Wow, she learned the word vector that day. That's interesting. That's good for her. She's been, she's been watching Sesame Street. God, they're insufferable. I know. They're insufferable. You know, you know it's well, you know it's incredible. The uh, the exodus of brain dead celebrities continues. Uh, last night, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Nobody left. even knew he, he was there. I know. Well, well, I mean, nobody nobody knows that Jim Carrey's there unless he he posts some new piece of gore art that he makes. He loves he loves you know painting gore, dead children, and all that. Says that it's a uh, some kind of a dialogue or uh, thoughts expressed about gun control. Uh, he says, "I'm leaving. I'm leaving Twitter." Like like he's like he's Frodo. Just go. Nobody he's cares. Frodo. He's Frodo, Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings. He's just he's getting into his boat. Oh, and, yeah. and, and you know, like people are gonna cry. And he leaves this weird, this weird video. Here's a, a, a with an animator, and it's a sucky. It sucks, whatever the hell it is. But then there's Moby. Oh, Moby. 
Hmm. Moby said, I'm leaving Twitter for that same reason that the clown just said. Um, I, I don't want to be in a place that's filled with bigotry and what? hatred and, and disinformation. Nothing's even I, happened yet, first of all. I don't see any bigotry when, or hatred anywhere. I, I think gone, they just... When they're gone, the bigotry and hatred on Twitter is going to plummet to the basement. There's not well, going to be mean, any hatred on Twitter anymore because they'll not be there. I, I, boy, either way, the, the way that they're talking is hilarious because especially in Moby's case, I laughed out loud when I saw that at the studio last night when I was preparing for my show. And um, I laughed because if you remember, and I know we've talked about it before, it's one of those things I can never forget. One of the weirder out of all the headlines that were being made in 2016 into 2017 after Trump's inauguration, um, we had Moby, obviously all the Hollywood non nonces were out there trying to beg electors not to certify the vote and all that other stuff. But Moby came out and said that his CIA buddies, his friends that he has in the CIA came to him because he's so special came to him because he had a couple of big singles in the 90s and said, we're really, really worried. Donald Trump and Russia, they are working together closely. He is in the pocket of the of the Kremlin. Oh, and you, and you need to get this out to people. OK, he what he told everybody that his friends in the CIA implored him to get the word out about Donald Trump and Russia working together. And he is leaving Twitter now all these years later because he doesn't want to be in a place where disinformation thrives. Think of, just think about the, the hilarity of that just on his personalized, personalized level. I, I have two things to, to explain to you, like to show you and, and to go, here's the clip of this, this insufferable woman we'll fi finish listening to. And then, I have a lot of people that are getting mad at me for sharing Andrew Tate. And we can have a discussion about Mr. Tate if you want. When did you share Andrew Tate? I shared Andrew Tate a couple days ago on Truth Social because he said some things about some things that I said were, hmm, this is pretty interesting. I think I should share this. And I happen, I know that there's a lot of questionable things he said in the past. And some people think he's a double agent. And some people think that, you know, whatever. Everybody has their own view about Andrew. Some people don't even know who he is. I'm coming at Andrew Tate with a very, very basic knowledge of who this person is. And I got to tell you, the clips that we played during the Robin Hood fiasco of him in that car talking about crypto, remember? Yeah. That was my introduction to Andrew Tate. And I loved it. I thought Same he was here. hysterical. I think I don't care that he's somewhat misogynistic. It doesn't bother me that there are alpha males out there. It doesn't bother me in the least at all. I have no problem with it. Be you. Yeah, but you don't have to be alpha to be, you don't have to be well, misogynistic well, to be alpha. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying he's a misogynistic alpha male. That's what I should be saying. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind alpha males. I don't, I don't, take it boys, take it. Okay, I'm good with it, but. That's what I learned about him too, the whole diamond hands thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I thought it was funny just because I was liking how these big time hedge funds were were being were being messed with by the little people for a time. I thought it was hilarious. And that's the first time I saw him. Me too. He apparently was a an MMA guy who got filthy rich somehow. He he oh, he's filthy rich, like loves to show everybody how rich he is. But he's also said how they're after him and he never sits with his back 
to anything that he is open. Like he went through this whole big thing about what he does to protect himself. And like, I don't know anything. I'm just going to share with you in a minute what he said that struck me. And I know you're going to love it, Frank. So let's listen to the rest of this bish. I, I didn't say the word. I said bish, B-I-S-H. Here we go. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? Who should be keeping track of it? There are more and more people joining Twitter. Are you concerned? Does this concern you? <laughs> So it just shows how shows how fragile women are. Yeah, they always they they always give they always give women this kind of a role. They're very concerned, and then and then they're they're doting beasts of burden uh, men who who stand behind them and you know drink a soy latte. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're they're beasts of burden men who who try to um, no no she's right. The Adam Kinzingers of the world. That freak. He's probably crying right now. Hold on. That yeah. We're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility. That's why she's saying that because of Missouri versus Biden. She's laying the blame on the feet of the social media company, saying it's their responsibility. But behind her, behind the White House placard, there's a room full of analysts calling and threatening the social media companies with what they will be doing or else. Uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when it comes to the hate that we're seeing, hate, huh? uh, that they, they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, uh, what's, uh, what's currently uh, occurring. Uh, how many times do you say, ah? Uh? Hmm? Oh, they're stupid. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, like I said before, I knew I had seen this somewhere. He retweeted, uh, I think yesterday, or the day, yeah, I think on the 28th, he, he retweeted Elon Musk, who had, he himself tweeted out a Pepe meme. And the Pepe means that I don't care about this particular psyop, honestly, because he was going for a couple of days. He was talking about how every day it's psyops. Yep. Every day yep. it's psyops. And uh, listen, I, I'm not uh, I'm a, a cool observer in all this. Elon Musk is not even somebody that has my trust. Yep. Anyway. Yep. But but the fact that you have Adam Kinzinger, he retweets, he retweets Elon Musk tweeting out Pepe. It says, oh, uh, Google Pepe the Frog, he said. You'll see that this is an alt-right meme since 2016 with links to anti-Semitism and authoritarianism. Cool, Elon. Yeah, well, like I said before, Adam Kinzinger is, uh, has links to social retardation and crying in public. <laughs> so what does that have to say about the U.S. Congress? You know, so I, I, th th these are the people. I don't know what kind of, no. Nothing. No cartoon frogs. Nothing. We need. We need to sit here in silence and listen to me. Will uh, Will texted me this morning and told me Alyssa Milano is starting to sue people for posting memes of her. Well, she um, she's an idiot, and she she deserves to be mocked. She deserves to be mocked. What, what, what did I say? There's a, a, a there's a meme I always I I have I actually don't keep 
I rarely keep any pictures of Aurora on my phone. I take tons of pictures and videos. I offload it to my um, my Aurora folder that me and Lauren compile all of our family stuff into uh, so that I don't keep a lot of stuff on my phone or else I'll use up all my memory. And uh, instead, I keep a healthy, a healthy um, collection of useful memes. For example, this one that uh, that comes from I, I think this might have been one from from one of those Nuremberg movies. You are it's a guy who's reading off a sentence of of an accused person in court. You are accused of cringe behavior. The, for, the court finds you not based and sentences you to be made fun of. Oh, and this that is harmful, what Frank. needs to be done to to Alyssa Milano until she cries every day. That's a harmful meme. You shouldn't be sharing that. And yeah, someone said John Pierre is stuttering and she's reading. Yes, she can't read. When you stutter, when you read, there's there's something going on there. Let's listen to Mr. Tate here and his buddy with the cigar. I don't know who he is. And no, I have no idea what's behind him. I don't know. I'm not endorsing Tate. I'm not saying he's he's some person everybody should go follow and subscribe to. I, I just am saying that what he's about to say, I tend to agree with. Off we go. It's done on purpose, which as we've just deciphered, it must have been. Why are they doing this? And I don't think many people understand why a brand like Balenciaga would so openly show the world that they are trying to promote pedophilia. Tell them. I'll tell them why. So some could argue that they're trying to advertise it and encourage it. Normalize. Normalize. And that is the case. That is what they're trying to do. But it actually goes a level deeper than that. Satanists, people who worship Satan, believe in karmic retribution. They believe that they can suffer the consequence of lying and tricking you. So the very simple premise is this. If I sell poison apples and I write apples and you come and eat one, I poisoned you. But if I sell poison apples and I have a sign that says apples, they're poison and you come and eat one, you committed suicide. I haven't murdered you, you've committed suicide. That's, because what, that's what Satanists believe. Satanists believe by telling you what they're doing, they don't have any karmic retribution. I'm not responsible for the for the the consequence. I'm not responsible for all the negative fallout from my actions if they understood what I was doing and allowed me to do it. This is why they show you and tell you what they're doing. If I show you and tell you that we are pedophiles and you continue to buy our products, then you're supporting pedophilia and you are obviously okay with us being pedophiles. If I do it hidden behind your back, then you can argue and say, I didn't know they were pedophiles. But by showing you, I've shown you I'm a pedophile, you still want to wear my t-shirt. So obviously what I'm doing is okay. And this karmic retribution model and the way that Satanists view the world, and when I say Satanists, I genuinely mean people Satanist, who worship real Satan. The people who are in charge of these brands and in charge of the Western world and in charge of the matrix genuinely worship Satan. When you understand the idea of karmic retribution, you can apply that to so many scenarios. They're doing this with everything. Karmic retribution isn't just about Balenciaga. Let's look at the recent scam of COVID. They made it very clear to you it was bullshit. They made it very clear that the, the virus isn't gonna hurt you. They made it clear that they didn't listen. They, made they it disobeyed the mask laws. Yeah, they made it very clear to you it was all stupid so that when you still did it, they could say, ah, well. Hold on, there's more. There's one more. Don't play this. Here we go. Anyway, I'm going to drop a very subtle one in there that you probably don't want me to mention. I'm going to mention it anyway. If there was a certain world leader who is playing a role right now, integral 
to how can I exactly put this? There is a world leader right now who was playing the role of a hero when in fact he was a villain. Wouldn't it be funny if we publicly gave him an Oscar hmm. for acting. playing a role? For acting as something as he isn't. Now, Google which world leaders have recently been handed Oscars it's, it's in your face. It's karmic. This is the whole point. They have to show you what they're doing so that when they're allowed to do it, that they can sit and say, well, they knew what we were doing and they didn't stop us. They were complicit. Yes. Complicity is what Satanists believe in. They don't want to outright lie to you and trick you. They have to tell you. This is why the Georgia Guidestones say we're going to reduce the world population. This is why they will say to you things like, listen to this. Imagine this for a second. Imagine you're at home and they say that COVID is dangerous. And then you watch the Black Lives Matter protests and they say that Black Lives Matter protests don't spread COVID because the cause is noble. And then after that, you still get the vaccine to protect yourself. And still don't meet your friends and family or go to the funerals of your loved ones. If you're that life. stupid, you deserve the consequences. And, of, oh, no, but this is understand, please. But they're right. They're right. They're right. The Satanists believe if you're that stupid, you deserve the consequences of not seeing your family members, of not being able to run your business and losing your job, of potentially dying from the vaccine. They believe you deserve all of these consequences because they've made it very clear to you that the whole thing is bullshit. And you agreed with it anyway. Balenciaga is not accidentally, repeatedly trying to tell you that they're supporting pedophilia. They're telling you on purpose that they believe in their religion. There's no karmic reprehension for themselves. They're not going to face any consequence for their actions. And most people don't understand this. Once you understand how Satanists work and why they show you what they're trying to do, then the whole world makes a lot more sense. This Balenciaga thing is not just a messed up advertising campaign and stupid cookies and little hidden things. No, this this is pedophiles telling you they're pedophiles. Anyway, I'm gonna. And that's basically the two clips that I shared from Andrew Tate. Can you disagree? No, 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 I can't. And and he's and he's uh, that that clip. I've seen that going around. It's it's acting. At, you know, uh, people. I it's acting as a, a much needed. I guess a uh, bell ringing for people who have never heard it before. Uh, it's pretty basic knowledge. Yeah. Revelation, revelation of the method is pretty basic knowledge when it comes to the esoteric. In fact, if you want to listen to uh, an amazing long form conversation about all this stuff, I had John Paul Rice on my show on Monday night about Balenciaga, but we, you know, for, only freeze frame Balenciaga for a moment because it's it really is just, it's not mutually exclusive. It's it's part of so many other things. I would I would if we're going to get into new you know semantics here. I would uh, tend to use the the phrase Luciferian over Satanist uh, at that level. Um, Satanism is what you see more so with the uh, the ghouls in the street that are burning cars and looting and just taking. They are they are just completely immersed in a in a humanist experience where it's just all sensory and it's all just you know giving to yourself and just acting wild with with no real thought or or anything it's the luciferian who um who thinks about karmic retribution and uh, revelation of the method and of course the predictive programming that is uh it's not only about telling you what they're doing to you but where they intend to go next because the more you see it uh, for example, the Washington Post this past week, they put out a, um, a, a really interesting review about a, 
a, a, bro, a, a show that was put on somewhere in the show. country about a pedophile show where it was uh, a stage show that that was about a group of sex offenders that have been released from prison and now they're living together in a halfway house or something like that. And how terrible and it is for them and how, you know, yeah. They, they, yeah, it, it begs the question of how further, how much further society can punish them for their crimes without it becoming inhumane. And that it's it's really, it's darkly funny, but, uh, and of course they always qualify it with, let's be clear, the crimes that they committed against children and all that are heinous, but- Let's and be Mike, clear. Yeah, Mike Cernovich made a, a, a pretty good point about it. I saw his tweet just pass by me uh, from a, a number of retweets. And, and he said, um, specifically about that this is a perfect example of you know what people are are groomed for and how it's all one-sided if if you think that you would ever see a play where you have a bunch of you know racists or or something like that who are able to get together in any kind of in a kitchen and have coffee talk in which uh they could be wholly misunderstood and they did terrible things in the past but perhaps they have some kind of redeeming qualities to them uh that would never happen so it's more so about uh, it's more so about plotting the course of where we are going and the normalization of certain things that they want people to accept because we are going into a world or at least a phase of a world that they have slowly been creating over time in which they want people to look at the way they live as something that is not so shocking they've seen it before they have been given uh different insight as to what what what's really going on here as opposed to the rigidity of the past where we wanted to just string up pedophiles and those who prey on the innocent and just you know eliminate them uh so so it's yeah it's it's karmic in the way that the vampire always needs to be invited into the house uh, but it's also revelation of the method and predictive programming as to where they intend to take us. And and, and he's 100 percent true. It's, he's 100 percent correct in saying um, they're very Darwinian Luciferians. Uh, if you are stupid enough to see all of this con- conflicting thing, uh, conflicting realities and still accept their prescription for one problem or another, or still buy the poison apple. You deserve to die. You deserve it. I mean, nobody who jumps off of the top of a building deserves to live. I mean, it's just logic. It's pretty fundamental, honestly. It's it's a lot, you, you know, you have to be okay with the logic of it. It may not be a happy scenario, but you have to be okay with the logic. So it's, this is the world and, um, a lot of people are hearing it for the first time because I saw people in the comments of those of that short uh, that video series that you just put out there. So I saw a few people saying, "I wonder how uh, how the uh, the Tates know all this stuff." Oh, it, this is this is basic it, stuff. This guys. is yeah, this is stuff that if you you know, and and it's understandable, honestly, Frank. Like, there's a lot of people out there that are like, "Whoa, what's happening?" And they don't know. <laughs> if you've been doing this long enough, you start on this weird. It's a very weird journey, isn't it? When you start like waking up that the world is just not what you've been told it is. It's a very odd journey. Um, but yeah, you you get there. Uh, Steve, thank you for the uh, rumble rumble rant. Appreciate it. Um, they finally have to start uh, 
acknowledging Frank the life insurance payouts. So there's an article in The Hill. Life insurance payouts reached a new high in 2021, according to a leading trade association. New data released by the American Council of Life Insurers shows companies paid $100 billion to the beneficiaries of policyholders who died last year. That number is the highest amount life insurance companies have paid out to policyholder beneficiaries in a single year ever, according to a release. While the data doesn't show policyholder cause of death, VP and chief economist Andrew Melnick said that COVID-19 is most likely a driving force behind the spike in payouts for a second year in a row. Oh, indeed it is. Life insurance payments have gone up since 2019. The number of life insurance policies bought last year was about 6% higher than in 2020. Um, With more than 1.75 million people dying as a result of contracting COVID-19 since the pandemic in 2020 um, have caused this spike, which 400 and I think, is that you? What is playing? Honestly, I like. Oh, it was the autoplay after my video ended. That was freaky. I'm like, what the hell is that? What's Um, happening right now? Yeah. I pulled up some data uh, while we were waiting to start the show today about how many people passed away last year uh, from COVID. And it was only, not only, they report 460,000 where COVID is a a contributing cause. Since that, when? In 2021, they say 460,000 deaths with COVID as a contributing cause. And in 2020, we had how many hundreds of thousands of deaths? Um, in, in the big year. In the big year. Um, it's in this paragraph. I just got to find it. That's incredible, which is, all, which is obviously a nonsense number, too. Whatever well, I mean, if a million people have died from it and 456,000 of them were in 2021, then the rest had to have been in 2020 incredible i I, and and we know those death numbers are incorrect okay we know we know that the hospitals labeled skydivers who forgot to open their parachutes as covid deaths people who were shot in the head as covid deaths nonsense so let's just put that out there and we all know what the hell is going on with the life insurance all right let's not be uh let's not be lying to ourselves okay let's not lie um did you it's see? Incre- it's incredible that that insurance companies are still issuing um, policies to people and not asking whether or not they have been they have been uh, vaccinated as as a means of rejecting people. But then again, uh, that would cause a big problem in itself if insurance companies started started uh, rejecting people for life insurance coverage or anything like that based on the fact that they were given a government peddled. Uh, you know, injection, what would that mean? So they, they, they probably they're stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. So they probably have to, they probably have to take on, they probably know. They probably know. They know. And this is, that's not even insurance at that point. That's just like a, a bounty being paid. Oh, terrible. Yeah. We're going to mock someone now because that's how we'll end the show today. I mean, you tell me if you didn't see this happening. Not this specific thing, but something like it. Sam Brinton. 
Here he is on screen. For those of you who don't know, he is the... Sick. Sick. <laughs> horribly disturbed thing that is in charge of... He's President Joe Biden's Deputy Assistant Energy Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition. So we're talking about we're talking about a, a, a person who has been put in charge of spent nuclear fuel. Yes, who also likes to dress up in chains and whips and or in chains with whips and beat other people who are wearing dog masks and ears. MIT graduate, by the way. So there's more more uh, depravity coming out of MIT with the rest of the the uh, the Bill Gates Epstein crew. And and also t- taught a kink 101 course at college level. I've got some pictures on the screen here. He is. I, I So that's who Biden chooses. Well, he's been arrested because he stole a woman's luggage right off the rack at a, an airport. And he didn't. And the best thing is that he didn't even have. His own luggage with him. It's, it's not even like he ditched his luggage. He just went to the carousel to see if there's anything nice to take. So he went to the airport with no luggage, didn't check a bag, then grabbed somebody's luggage off the carousel and left with it. Then used that same luggage again and again on the flights back, but left all the clothes at the hotel and finally copped to it, saying he didn't know what he took it by accident. But he didn't know what to do, and he thought it would be weirder if he didn't show up with luggage, so he left the clothes at the hotel room? Come on. Oh, I read a, I read a quote last night when I did this story where um, he said that, um, like, he was playing dumb. Like, I, I, if I had taken something that wasn't mine, I'm sorry. Yes, but he when did. But o- when I opened up the suitcase, my clothes were in it. Yes, he did say that, yes. Like, that, think, yeah. think about the first grade the first grade level of lying that that takes. It's terrible. Now, that's sick. People like him have a security clearance at the highest level, but people like Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin have had their security clearances removed because they didn't want to take the COVID vaccine and because they said, I'm not going to flat, you know, destroy the Constitution and burst down this innocent person's door just because you well, tell me well, to. Well, maybe they should start cross dressing. Then they'll get the whole. They'll get their uh, their their clearances back. I'll ask Kyle if he's up for it. I yeah. highly doubt it, but <laughs> I have the police report here in front of me. Um, on September 16th, law enforcement at MSP Airport in Minnesota were alerted to a missing suitcase and baggage claim. The victim, a known adult female, stated she and her son flew in on a Delta flight from New Orleans. Victim proceeded to baggage count uh, carousel seven to claim her check bag, which is a navy blue hard-sided Vera Bradley 26-inch roller bag. It was scanned in. Law enforcement got the video. Officers observe a suspect, later uh, identified as Samuel Otis Brinton, defendant. He took Otis. The, yeah, I know, Otis. He took the bag from the carousel, took the tag off, put the tag in the handbag. They were his, his pocketbook, his purse. Then ran out of there. Then they say he went back there on the, he stayed at this hotel. Video surveillance shows him checking in with the bag. He goes back to the airport September 18th with the bag, checking it for a departing flight to DC. And then 
the complainant asked the defendant, did they take anything that didn't belong to them? And he responds, not that I know of. And then later admitted to taking the bag, but denying the clothes for another individual were inside saying, like Frank said, quote, if I had taken the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual. That was my clothes when I opened the bag. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time I hear it, I can't believe a person said it. I can't believe a person actually said that. But to- there's been, I, I mean, hey, listen, if you ever spent any considerable amount of time in the 1990s watching cops, you've heard, just as, but but this is usually coming out of things like meth addicts yeah it, well, you know and, and this and instead this is coming out of the cross-dressing head of spent nuclear fuel for the united states government it's always when it's a stolen car it's always i borrowed this car from my friend i'm borrowing it or i just bought it the other day and i don't have the title on me whenever it's always the same thing with the stolen vehicle i've seen so many of these things like and then n- it's always, no, there are no drugs in the car. Oh, somebody borrowed my car yesterday when they find them. When there's drugs in your own bag and you answer the question, it's, I don't know how they got there. It's always the same. This guy's, two hours later, it says, they called back, apologized for not being completely honest, admitted to taking the bag, but said they're tired and took the suitcase thinking it was theirs. And then when they opened the bag, they realized it wasn't theirs, got nervous people would think they stole it and didn't know what to do left the clothes from the bag inside the drawers in the hotel, took the blue bag back to the airport and said that they didn't want to leave the bag in the hotel room, reasoning it was weirder to leave a bag than the clothes. <laughs> but you went to the, ho- the, the, the flight with no luggage. So if, like, if he had gone with luggage and then accidentally took this luggage, I would, okay, that's one thing. He went with nothing, stole someone's luggage, acted like it was his, and then lied about it. Could you find, I don't know if it's, if it's possible for you to find, um, his position at the Department of Energy, how much money uh, for as a salary it, it, uh, it provides? How much money does Sam Brenton, Brenton, Brenton? Well, I would, I would, maybe how much money does the assistant something, whatever. I, I would, I'm gonna... it, it's, listen, it has to be over. Six figures. It's got to be here as him because everybody's going to want to know. He's an SES employee, so. Anyway, doesn't matter. Here, he makes way too much money to be stealing bags from women. (sighs) Just terrible. This is just. I mean, could you have called it though for real? Anyway, of course. You think that somebody like this has impulse control? All right. right. (laughs) You, folks, uh, what do you got going on first, Frank, before we end? Uh, I've got Professor Robin McCutcheon on the show tonight, and we're going to be talking about the history of Black Friday and a few other uh, little cultural ditties, Uh, maybe a a follow up to the some some extra information about all of our theorizing about what may be going on with the. Milo and Kanye and mm. all this, this the, the Mar-a-Lago to Tim Pool, all that stuff. Maybe a couple of little updated thoughts, but it's uh, just going to be a chill night tonight. I think Joe Brown is coming back on tomorrow, and then we got Friday morning. I can't wait. Friday morning. 
That's the that's you and our I. show. Yes, I'm I'm excited for Friday too. Um, there should be something coming out on that motion in Missouri yesterday. Um, from me today, along with a column from Wendy about her thoughts about the Coach Ice County and the Mojave Board of Supervisors and and how people should give them a little bit. I think I haven't read the whole thing yet, but give them a little bit more grace and change the laws. Um, hey guys, you can find us always at Uncovered DC, Frank at QuiteFrankly.tv. Um, you have been listening to the Wednesday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Beans. You can find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. And also, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, streaming live on Rumble and Getter. We will be back here on Friday. Later. <laughs>